The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Kyle came up to my office and just said, hey, you know, as, as we started talking, um, you know, Trey, Trey's like he always is. He's all in. But he, but he, you know, he did suggest and ask, you know, hey, if, if we could find the right opportunity, um, that, that he would appreciate that, you know, not doing cartwheels over it because my preference would have been that it worked out and uh, it didn't. And there's circumstances for that took our shot and it didn't work out so i mean that's on us for that but i'm not going to say anything as in failure to i mean that'd be too much of a negative towards trey i get our deal we, we took a shot to go for that we were hoping that he could be our guy and that didn't work out monday edition of pro football talk live and the news that resonated through the weekend the news that dropped on Friday afternoon that the 49ers had indeed traded quarterback Trey Lance, not to the Vikings, not to the Chiefs, not to the Bills, not to the Eagles, but to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll spend some time unpacking that and looking back on the final preseason weekend for 2023 as we rocket toward week one, just 10 days away. Chris Sims on assignment. Miles Simmons in. I always like saying on assignment. It feels so official. It actually yeah. creates the impression that what we do here means something. Chris Sims is on assignment. Miles Simmons pinch hitting at 4 a.m. Pacific time on this fine Monday morning. Good morning, Miles. How are you? Uh, good morning, Mike. I'm doing very well. Uh, happy anniversary over the weekend. Now you celebrated that, so that's very nice for you. I'm shocked, as I'm sure you are, that you have been with Jill this long, but that is great for you, uh, great for your life. And now we start in this inevitable roll down to the season where, man, it's just going to come and it's going to come fast and it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to everything that we got going on now as we, you know, we head to the 104th NFL season. Can you believe it? Almost as old as you. See, I start, I start the show in a very professional way, almost with my 
radio slash TV voice, setting the table very nicely. And then you take a shot and you try to filibuster your way right through it. So it will be as if the shot wasn't even noticed. You talk about three other things afterward, and then you hand it back to me in a very positive way, as if I'm not going to go back and say, hang on a minute. I heard what you said. It registered. And you're absolutely right. you don't. I don't know how in the hell. I don't know. Well, it's because I'm not paying attention. But how, how, how has anyone dealt with me for 29 years, married 29 yep. years as of Saturday. And for the first time, for the first time in 29 years, I made my wife breakfast. And I vowed to her that exactly 29 years from now, I will do it again. See, this is, and you know, you told us this in the PFT text chain that you made breakfast, which prompted me to ask, was it any good? Because if you're making breakfast for the first time in 29 years, I have to assume that it's not. <laughs> Unless you had whoa, some whoa, real whoa, good whoa, beginners. Whoa, you get me all wrong. You get me all wrong. I've made breakfast for me. I've, I, I know how to make breakfast. I just never made it for her. No. So there was no okay. beginner's right. luck involved. I'm an old okay. hand at at making bacon and eggs. I mean, how hard are bacon and eggs? Now, with the bacon, well, it can't be can a challenge up, if you... Well, well, <laughs> I... and also, also, it becomes a potential emergency room trip depending upon what you do with the pan that has True. the rack. We use those cookie racks and we put the bacon on it and the grease drips down and mm-hmm. it starts to gather and it's all very hot and yes. it needs to be performed with some degree of delicacy Delicacy? Is that the word? Not delicacy yeah. in, as oh, in yes, the food itself, finesse. but you have to be delicate yeah. as you're doing it because uh, you could get hot bacon grease everywhere, and that would not be good for anyone, especially you if you're the one who gets the hot bacon grease on you. So it, there was a level of stress that I didn't anticipate, but it all worked out. It all worked out uh, very well, and we had How a nice you- breakfast. We had a nice dinner, and uh, we had a nice weekend. Very good. How do you how do you how make do your want? eggs? How do I want? Are you are you would you scramble them before you put them into the pan or after you put them into the pan? People do have really different methods and are very specific about the way they make their eggs. Unless you didn't scramble the eggs, in which case I think I might be even more impressed. Well, it depends on the number of eggs. Now, when I make eggs for myself, what I do is I have a very small frying pan that holds mm-hmm. two eggs perfectly, and I have a big ass spatula. It's like this big, giant, flat plastic spatula. And so what I do is I put the two eggs in, and I wait until I know they're ready to slide. I pick the pan up. I slide the eggs out onto the big spatula and flip them. So it's, oh. it's kind of an unmixed omelet. Like, I don't crack the yolks, but I like the yolks fried fully through. I don't like any of that yellow, goopy crap. I like it completely solidly cooked. So I that's the magic trick is, and the hard part is you got to get it right on the first flip. Yeah. Because the top's all the top's all sunny side up and gooey. The bottom's got to be ready to slide, and you have to take that pan and you have to slide it right out. And you can't do it over the fire because a little bit of that grease will come down in there, and you get a little you get a little foof. I've I've had that happen. That was almost a no eyebrows moment. <laughs> But but uh, once you get that flip, then you know you got it made. So uh, that's what I'll do for myself. But for my wife, uh-huh. with the scrambling, to answer your question, I'm not trying to filibuster that. It depends on the number of eggs. If it's two or three, I'll just crack them in the pan and scramble them. But we did like six or seven. I think I did eight because we gave the dog some too because she really loves scrambled oh. eggs. So I'll, I'll, I'll whip it up in a bowl and then pour it in. And then you just, you know, you work 
you just you stand there with the spatula and you keep working it and working it and before you know it it's a nice little clump of steaming uh scrambled eggs so it worked out well worked out well um so that that was that was my that was my weekend then we had family over last night because it was kind of like the last real sunday night that we can gather before i start you know disappearing every weekend because this weekend coming up there's a family reunion it's labor day and it's all the other stuff that goes on so it was a nice evening nice weekend how was your weekend i don't want it to be all about me how was your weekend, Miles? Uh, my weekend was great. I went to a concert on Friday. I saw Mount Joy at the Greek Theater here in Los Angeles. It was very fun. Got to hang out with some friends. Got to hang out with some buddies. Yesterday, I I made uh, uh, some dinner for myself. You know, I, I tried a new recipe that I saw online. A little some chicken thighs, a little rice. It was an interesting adventure. I made way too much rice. Way too much rice. I don't usually make rice like that. Like usually, when I make rice, it's one of those little boil in a bag things, and it's very well proportioned. And I just, I don't know. I don't really know how to cook rice, so it ended up me having to put more chicken stock into the pan, and then like keep stirring it, and then you're putting more chicken stock, and so now I just have enough rice to feed myself for the entire week, which was not uh, the intention. But the chicken thighs actually turned out pretty good, so you know, happy. Well- how, how are the how are the chicken fries? How how are they? Were they fried? Were they baked? Were they sautéed? Were they grilled? Uh, yeah, were we they... sauté them three uh, minutes each side. Air so fried. That's what I did. Yeah. yeah, no, not air fried. So you sauté them and then took them out. Then uh, put the veggies in. You know, your garlic, your onion. I did a little jalapeno because I like things spicy. Uh, I don't know. There was maybe something else in there. You know, whip that up a little bit. Oh, some tomato paste and sun dried tomatoes. And then uh, put the chicken stock in. And I didn't put enough chicken stock in initially because I had too much stupid rice. So then you put the chicken thighs back in and they continue to cook along with the rice and all the liquid. And they turned out pretty good. I, w- I would have liked a little more flavor actually inside the chicken probably. But the rice actually was, was you know, really decent after I no, put no, enough wait, liquid no, in there to cook it. I, I'm I'm no expert when it comes to matters of this nature, but... Did you not cook the rice separately and realize you had too much rice? I mean, you you volunteered to put all that rice in, did you not? Yes, because, or was the rice yeah, cooked among the other stuff? Well, you're, you're cooking the rice within the other stuff. I mean, it's kind of like cooking a risotto, you know, where you have okay. the rice and you put in this liquid and the stock, right? And then, you know, you're supposed to stir and, like, that's how – the rice gets cooked. I just so the rice cooks as part of that. That's yeah. That's not. That's yes. beyond my culinary capabilities. Bacon yeah, and eggs yeah, well, is pretty and toast. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything <laughs> else I can cook? I mean, like I throw stuff on the grill and I don't really know what I'm doing, as as we've demonstrated in the past. But I still do mm-hmm. it. I still enjoy it. But there's nothing else I really cook. You I can did make buy, macaroni and cheese. I really wanted. I I actually actually, as it relates to my mother's recipe, I'm I sorry, almost I'm nailed it. If anything. It's okay. It's okay because it's exactly the way. That's the thing that was, and we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of that moment. I know. That's exactly <laughs> the way my mother made it, and it was good. So blame her if you want to. If you want to be that way, somebody who's been dead since 1995. If you want to do that, go ahead. It's her fault. That's her recipe. And if anything, I undercooked it. My sister, whenever she visits, she brings a big pan of it, and the top of it is far darker than the top of what I made back in November of 2021. So I did buy a box of biscuit mix back in June. I had this thing. I had a flashback to working at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and there was a period of time where they made us, in addition to frying all the chicken, we had to make biscuits from scratch. So I was going to make some biscuits, 
and I've I've yet to do it. Maybe I'll do it this weekend. My one last blast. Maybe I'll add the biscuits to the bacon and the eggs. I had a chance. I had my chance on Saturday to make the biscuits, but you did. it was a little too much. It was a I little mean, too much. If you're gonna the whole you biscuits, know, I, yeah. Uh, biscuits from scratch yeah. are not the same as biscuits from a box. And as I like to say, man, if you're going to throw down, you actually got to remember to pick it back up too. Well, then, I mean, it was a, I mean, it's kind of from scratch. It's just the, it's the, it's the box with the stuff that goes with, I mean, it's still like, I'm not going to make them from complete scratch with flour so and whatever box, else you put in scratch. yeast and biscuit. Okay. Well, whatever, whatever. You still got to make the dough and you got to roll it out and you got to punch the biscuits and you got to hope you don't screw them up when you cook them. So, it, you know, it's close to scratch. It's close to scratch uh, when you're talking about biscuits. Okay. All right. All right. We have mastered the, the ability now that you've been doing this for a while of pissing away the first 10 minutes of the program. We can get to football. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, and as we saw, from both John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers, and Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, Trey Lance, no longer a member of the team. A weird, bizarre chapter in NFL history. I have been trying to think of another situation like this where an elite team committed such a dramatic draft day blunder. And it doesn't happen because it's usually the bad teams that, number one, are in position to take players high in the draft, and number two, find a way to keep screwing things up for the 49ers to have done this amid a run of excellence that yielded multiple conference championship game appearances, a Super Bowl appearance, which they could have slash should have won up 10 minutes or up 10 points with seven minutes to go or up 10 minutes with seven points to go. One of the two is right. That, that uh, is unprecedented. And, They close the books on it. They move on. And, you know, for the most part, they're unscathed by it. I wrote a pretty, pretty aggressive rewind of how the 49ers got to where they were with Lance. But for the most part, nobody is clowning them the way that maybe they deserve to be clowned for how this all fell out. In part, as we as we debated somewhat spiritedly on Friday, the fact that they're good goes a long way toward getting people to look the other way on one of the worst draft day blunders we've seen. Well, and Mike, I I wouldn't even just call it a draft day blunder, right? I mean, this was a blunder that you have to step back and say, well, what was your process in thinking, all right, we need to trade up to number three overall, but then also we need to pick this specific player. And and, I mean, I, I said this on Friday. And so since we're here on Monday and Trey Lance got traded, I guess I'll say it again. It's not like we really know what Trey Lance could have become last year if he had played through the entire season. We'll never know that because he got hurt early on in week two, right? And then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, he plays, and Brock Purdy comes in, and he plays extremely well, and the 49ers get to the NFC Championship game again. So we'll we'll just never know what would have happened with Trey Lance, but it became obvious that Brock Purdy is the better option and Sam Darnold is the better option as a backup for the 49ers right now. And so now you have this situation where Trey Lance is expendable. And so, I mean, I just, it's a weird situation, but yes, the 49ers had a clear error, right? As John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan said, they took a shot at it and it didn't work. Okay. But I think the fact that, yeah, they are a winning football program right now really does help them evade a lot of the, oh my gosh, how could they have done this 
that we would otherwise be saying, at least that I would personally feel because yeah, yeah, they, they bleep this up royally, but if you're still winning games, then like, is that really all that bad? I, I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, if Trey Lance turns out to be something and if Brock Purdy doesn't turn out to be the guy that he was last year, then it'll really, really become, I guess, more of a point of conversation and consternation. I wonder what's worse, and I think we may have discussed this on the PFT text chain over the weekend. Is it worse if Lance goes somewhere else and just never becomes anything, or is it worse if Lance goes somewhere else and becomes great? And I think it's worse if he goes somewhere else and becomes great because it shows that they they gave up on the guy before they had to. They gave up on the guy Mm – prematurely after two seasons I think that's the thing that makes this so bizarre and mm-hmm. we talk so much about how the the NFL doesn't give quarterbacks the patience that maybe they deserve when they're highly drafted like Terry Bradshaw got drafted in 1970 and the light really didn't come on for him until 1974 and it was Terry Hanratty and Joe Gillum and Terry Bradshaw and around and around they went until Bradshaw finally showed them that he could play at an acceptable level and his career flourished after that Trey Lance had two years one of barely playing and when he did play he got injured two he's the starter entering the season and in week two he breaks his ankle and that's that and he's just done and part of it's the circumstance because Brock Purdy the last pick in the 2022 draft did enough last year to become the guy even though his season culminated in a serious elbow injury that required surgery but he played seven games I just think I really do believe that that Trey Lance was going to be fourth on the depth chart, not third. I think he was behind Brandon Allen, and I'll be very interested to see if they keep Brandon Allen as of 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow when the roster cuts are made, if it goes Purdy, Sam Darnold, Brandon Allen. Because I think that's the only reason you move on from Lance. If you just look at the snapshot right now and say, this guy just isn't close to where he needs to be. Otherwise, why wouldn't you keep him? Mm-hmm. Tell him he's QB2. Make him QB2. And then if Brock Purdy gets injured, you'll worry about sifting through Darnold versus Lance then. But if all you have to do is tell the guy he's QB2 and he wants to stay and you want him to stay, then just tell him he's QB2. That's the thing that's driven me crazy about this. Coaches lie all the time to everybody, including themselves. Just tell the kid he's QB2, and he stays, and he makes $6.3 million over the next two years, and you have him in the event you need him. In the event Brock Purdy gets injured and Sam Darnold gets injured, you've got Trey Lance. Oh, you needed your QB3 last year. And when the third-string guy finally got a chance to play, he played pretty damn well. So there's a way this all falls together this year that they are down to QB3 because they just were last year. And I believe that they, that this is more, the assessment the 49ers have made, this is more than he's just behind Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold just separated in the past 10 days. I think they've known from the get-go this year, 
Darnold was going to be clearly better than Lance. Lance just isn't going to be able to run their system. Lance and Shanahan, from a football standpoint, were never going to click. It was never going to work. It was never going to happen. Let's just pull the plug on this, which I think is evident by the fact that they got a fourth-round pick. That's it. And they were thrilled to get a fourth-round pick. They were happy to get a fourth-round pick. They were laughing internally, I think, at the Cowboys for giving up a fourth-round pick and taking on the full $6.3 million. The thing I was hearing Friday afternoon was, hey, whoever trades for Lance is going to want the Cowboys – or, the excuse me, the 49ers to pay some of this money. No, no. The Cowboys took it all. Cowboys gave them a four. And they're doing cartwheels in Santa Clara over it. So yeah. I just think that this is more than, oh, well – Brock Purdy got a chance, and he played well. Sorry, Trey. We'll give you an opportunity to go somewhere else. I think it goes deeper than that. I think they just concluded that this guy's never going to get it done, at least not in their system, maybe somewhere else. But they just decided he's never going to do it here. Well, and sometimes that's just the thing that happens, right? I mean, it's it's not just a football thing. It happens in life. You go somewhere sometimes and you're working a job and you're like, holy crap, I am a horrible fit here. And the employer might be, holy crap, this guy's a terrible fit here. And it might be, you know, what for whatever reason, but you need to go somewhere else in order for you to thrive. And maybe that's just the case right there with Trey Lance. Look, I mean, part of the big issue here with him is that he just has not played enough football, right? He's not started enough games at quarterback for you to really feel comfortable probably with him back there behind center, just calling the signals in general. I mean, I think we brought this up before, right? Sam Darnold has 55 career starts in the National Football League. I don't think Trey Lance has 55 career starts at quarterback in his life. Right. I mean, then that's just a product of circumstances. So, you know, you go back to his time at North Dakota State and he just didn't really have a 2020 season because of COVID-19. You know, he comes in there in 2021 and he's not really playing. And there was sort of the plans to have a package for him. And Kyle Shanahan even admitted that it messed with his brain as a play caller trying to do things for two quarterbacks because you're trying to set things up in a way that he just wasn't familiar with and he wasn't necessarily all that comfortable with. So then he gets hurt in 2022 when they have done the thing where they try to set everything up for him. And who knows what they were really doing with Jimmy Garoppolo, keeping him as an insurance plan or really as a backup plan if Trey Lance didn't work. How much did they really believe in him last year? So all of these different things add up to what you're saying, Mike, where they are probably extremely happy to get a fourth round pick for Trey Lance because I didn't think that that would be his trade value. Frankly, I don't know what you thought going into it, but I didn't think that they would ever get a fourth round pick for him right now. And then also to be able to get rid of all the salary, man, that's, that is a win in a loss situation for the 49ers. If that makes any sense. I didn't expect them to get that much and to have someone take on the full salary. And I would have expected they wouldn't have traded him for that amount. I thought they would have been kind of like they were with Garoppolo. They wanted two second round picks at one point or something like that. And they had an arrogance mm-hmm. in their assessment of Garoppolo. Even though we're done with him, we want this bounty in return for him that we don't really believe he should merit because we're done with him. It was a strange attitude that they had. And I thought they'd had that same attitude with Lance. Their attitude with Lance was we'd like to keep him but boy, we'll take whatever we can get for him. And, you know, John Lynch at the top of the show, 
he was trying to sell this idea. Oh, Trey was all in. Trey was all in, but we just decided. No, no Trey was not all in. Trey was not all in. <laughs> There's no Based way. upon what Kyle Shanahan had to say Friday night, Trey, 90 minutes after being told he was QB3, Trey came back and said, I'd like to go somewhere else. That may be part of the clip that you're about to see as we play from Friday night, Kyle Shanahan meeting with reporters, explaining how the trade of Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys played out. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And when we told Trey, um, when we told him that he wasn't the two, I said we'd like to keep him here as the three. Um, but we also want to do what's good for him, too. And we'll see how this plays out. Now, when we looked at other teams and he told us that he would like another opportunity to go somewhere where we had a chance to be the two, um, we thought we got some good deals for him. Uh, there's a number of teams involved. To end up getting the fourth was a little better than we anticipated and clears up a lot of money and uh, allows a better situation for him, too. Kevin Seifert of ESPN reported over the weekend the Vikings were not among the teams that were pursuing Lance. Many thought that the Vikings made the most sense, in part because, as we reported earlier this year, the Vikings, the 49ers, were talking about a trade that would have included Lance to the Vikings, Kirk Cousins to the 49ers back at the scouting combine. So there was interest by the Vikings in Lance. It turns out, as Kevin O'Connell explained after the Vikings preseason finale, they're all in with Jaron Hall as their developmental guy. They used a fifth-round pick on Hall, the BYU quarterback. They like what he can do. Six foot, 190-ish, smaller quarterback. But I think O'Connell wants to spend this year getting him up to speed, and then he could be maybe the guy next year who competes with someone if they move on from Kirk Cousins. So that's why the Vikings weren't in it. I thought, and teams that I threw out were Bills, because you get a guy that's possibly better than Matt Barkley and Kyle Allen. Who, who has the skill set that tracks Josh Allen's, maybe Kansas City, where, again, a guy who can move with Andy Reid better than Blaine Gabbert, although some have said he's the most underrated player in the NFL, only Bruce Arians, but that's one, uh, and Shane Bouchelle, and even the Eagles, even the Eagles, have given the importance of the backup quarterback position there, and with Marcus Mariota not looking good this year and rookie Tanner McKee from Stanford possibly being 
in position to be the number two. I don't know that they'd be comfortable with that. I was surprised, Miles, at the end of the day. It's the Cowboys that throw the fourth-round pick and take on the full $6.3 million. I would not have put them on the bingo card. And I think when you know people were sending around the odds, and I get the PR releases all the time, all the offshore books, like they want free publicity even though – they're offshore, and you know there's a concern you're going to get in trouble if you publicize their odds or talk about these offshore sites. I get flooded with the emails from the offshore sites, and I looked, and I don't think I saw the Cowboys on the list of odds for the next team for Trey Lance. So I think everybody was surprised. When I saw Lance the Cowboys, I was like, I, I did not see that coming, did not expect it, and have spent the weekend trying to figure out what it all means. Yeah, I, you know, I got home from the gym and I looked at my phone and it said, you know, it has notifications and then some texts from our text chain and it said Cowboys. I'm like, what in the world? Like, that was probably the most stunning part of it. Not necessarily that Trey Lance got moved. Sure, we knew that, you know, there was a possibility he could get moved. But when you looked at the Cowboys situation where they have Dak Prescott and, you know, Dak Prescott, in my mind, probably the second best quarterback in the conference behind Jalen Hurts. I mean, maybe somebody wants to say Matthew Stafford, but like, it's not like that quarterback situation is all that tenuous. And then you have somebody behind him in Cooper Rush who has won games when they've needed him to win games. So it's not like their backup situation is all that bad. So then taking on a guy like Trey Lance is definitely surprising just because it's like, why you know what exactly do you really need from a, a guy like this but I, hey that that's jerry jones man he wants to do what he wants to do first red flag that went up for me with the cowboys was this idea that trey lance said to kyle shanahan he wanted to go someplace where he could compete to be the number two well when is he going to compete to be the number two in dallas when you've got cooper rush who re-signed as an unrestricted free agent for a two-year five million dollar contract so he's not making dramatically less over the next two seasons than Trey Lance. And he's ensconced and he's prepared. He's been there throughout the off season. He's been there. He's been there um, for the preseason and he's four and one as a starter. That's what I'm saying. He's four and one. Is he four and one or is he five and one? Hang on, hang on. Five and one as a starter. He was four and one last year. He, He was undefeated. Until that Sunday night game against the Eagles, that was the last game he played. Remember, Dak had the thumb injury week one against the – who they play week one? Buccaneers on Sunday night Bucks. football, I believe. And, and Rush came in and won four in a row and then lost the last one at Philly. Then again, who didn't lose at Philly last year? And he's 5-1. and one. And he has thrown in his career 212 regular season passes. Trey Lance has thrown 102. Cooper Rush has more than twice the experience. He's got more than twice the regular season game appearances than Trey Lance. So why does Trey Lance think he's going to walk through the door and compete to be the number two in Dallas? He's number three this year, maybe number two next year. But look, but before I, I, uh, I give you my conspiracy theory. Miles is going to go get some of the tinfoil that he used to wrap up all of his rice. Wait, wait, don't, don't get any rice on your head. Did you put uh, tinfoil in your rice in your tinfoil or tinfoil in your rice? But anyway, before we do that, don't you put, Oh, okay. Oh, oh, fancy. Uh, Okay. Um, I use, I, what do I use? I guess we use something like that. I don't know. You know what we use? You know what we use? (laughs) This is not, not for everything. 
But, like, if we get dinner from somewhere and it comes in one of those plastic containers with the lid on, it's like, why throw that thing away? Why put that thing in a landfill? That's kind of like free Tupperware, right? It is. That's exactly what that is. That's part of what I use, too. Captain Planet. Good. Captain Planet would be very happy with me. All right. Here's Jerry Jones on the question of, and this is, I'm going to give you a little teaser of my conspiracy theory here. I Mm -hmm. think that this has something to do with the fact that Dak Prescott has the Cowboys over a contractual barrel with a gigantic cap number next year in the final year of his contract, and he's going to leverage that into another market-level deal. And that's the only way the Cowboys get out of that maze. So, Jerry Jones from Saturday addressing the question of whether or not this Trey Lance trade is leverage against Dak Prescott. Here's what Jones had to say. It didn't cross my mind, period, about uh, uh, an impact here. Uh, regarding Dak. Uh, I know that Dak wants to do anything we can do to improve this team. And uh, we're, we're going to do it. Uh, the facts are that uh, the decision to bring in as high a quality of talent as we could uh, that's, uh, that's evolving or, or uh, a young talent that is uh, basically um, uh, uh, gaining, improving, getting better that you would be as a young talent. Uh, that's something that uh, uh, we've been trying to do, uh, b- but it's just never uh, the opportunity seems to be there so often. But we've been trying to do what we did today with this trade almost every draft since uh, I've been drafting. Now, look, I had not heard that specific soundbite. To say that it never crossed his mind I mean, how can it not at least cross your mind? It has to at least cross your mind. You've got a quarterback whose cap number next year is $59 million, Mm -hmm. who needs an extension and the signing bonus that goes with it and the reconfiguration of the cap dollars that were pushed from prior years for the money he was given then I said it then, and I'll say it now. The four-year, $160 million deal that Dak Prescott did is dramatically better than the contract Patrick Mahomes did because it paid him well, it had great cash flow, better than Mahomes in the first four years, and it brought him back to the table. It forces the issue. It forces the Cowboys to do something. And one of the things the Cowboys may have to do, and I said this on this show or somewhere, maybe I wrote it, I can't remember, but at some point I said, okay, the Cowboys have to ask themselves the tough question whether or not they're going to keep giving market value contracts to Dak Prescott if he's in a position to leverage them. Are they going to continue to do it or are they just going to say, Dak, we're moving on? You know, it's kind of like the Jared Goff argument from four years ago when the Rams are ready to make him the highest paid player in the league at the time. And Sean McVay dismissed the concern that Jared Goff has taken them as far as he can and they shouldn't pay him $33 million a year. And then they did. And two years later, they hot-potated him out of town for Matthew Stafford, tucked a one into the deal to get it done. Please, please take this contract off our hands. We'll give you a first-round pick to do so. The Brock Osweiler dynamic. At some point, the Cowboys need to do that with Dak. If he's not going to be – and I know – look, I'm not going to quibble – whether it's Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott or Matthew Stafford as the second-best quarterback in the NFC. But the NFC is the far lesser conference right now when it comes to the the 
you know, quality of quarterbacks. I, all but Jalen Hurts out of the top 10 right now are in the AFC. Um, so where does Dak fit into the overall hierarchy? Does he deserve market-level deals? Does his play, do the team's achievements merit giving him another deal that's going to be 52, 53, 54 million a year to replace the one with the $59 million cap charge next year. That's what this all comes down to. So I think Trey Lance is all about protection against the possibility they can't work something out with Dak. But the idea that it never crossed your mind is such a stretch at throwing dirt on the path. It's laughable. When he says it never crossed my mind, either he is totally incompetent as a general manager, which some would say is the case. I don't. He's lying about the fact, I believe. He's covering up the reality, I believe, that Trey Lance is there as a possible replacement for Dak Prescott if it all works out. And they're happy to pay him $6.3 million, and they're happy to have the fourth-round pick gone as an insurance policy against Dak continuing to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze them for more and more and more money as he parlays this current contract into an attempt to get another one. That's what I firmly believe. And that's why I think the Cowboys made the move. Well, yeah. And frankly, you know, even though I put on my conspiracy theory hat, like I I think that what you're saying does make a lot of sense. And in that same vein, it doesn't really make sense that Jerry Jones would say, Oh, it didn't cross my mind unless, you know, he's just trying to, I don't know, say something that sounds good because, you know, you don't want to have this as a talking point, right, when it comes to Dak Prescott. But the thing is, Mike, if Dak Prescott plays well this year, if the Cowboys make a deep playoff run this year, then shouldn't the Cowboys be happy to pay Dak Prescott a market value contract? Because that's what's going to be the thing that leads them there in the first place. You know, I understand that the NFC is not as strong as the AFC, but if the Cowboys win the NFC East, which is certainly a possibility this year, if they get farther in the playoffs, if they make it to the NFC championship game, then Dak Prescott has earned, in theory, the next contract, right? So, I mean, like, and and who is it really a good insurance policy if we already think Trey Lance is bad and we don't really know what he can do? I mean, like, so... You know, like it's it's one of those things where, yeah, you can do it, but if things go well, then it doesn't matter. Miles, if Dak Prescott takes the Cowboys to the NFC Championship, you realize, don't you, the last time the Cowboys went to the NFC Championship, you were four. That's how long it's been. (laughs) Okay, but like, where are the that's a hell of an if? I I know, I understand that, but I know, I know, saying that like. You know, okay, maybe they get to the divisional round again. Okay, then they lose to the 49ers because it seems like that's what always happens, right? But I I just, I'm not... Let me ask you a different question. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Let me ask you a different question. Long term, would you rather have Dak Prescott or Micah Parsons? Uh, Well, I mean, why can't you have both? That's not an answer to the question. What if you can't? What if you can't have both? Who would you prioritize? I would probably, oh, I don't, I don't, well, because I think of Micah Parsons is like a near Aaron Donald type game changing defensive player. And to me, Aaron Donald is the gold standard of that. you're answering your question. You're resisting, you're resisting the obvious. You're resisting saying Micah Parsons because you know it bolsters my argument. 
Well, no, because I know how important the quarterback position is. And I think that not saying that is diminishing the value of Dak Prescott, who I think is a very good player. So, you know, would you rather have very good quarterback that is perennially getting you into the playoffs? Or would you rather have game-changing defensive player who helps solidify that status because of what he can do on the defensive side to help supplement what you're doing to score points? I mean, that's, that's why. Who's I mean, easier to replace? Who's easier to replace? One, one is one is slipping toward middle of the pack at the most important position on the field. The other is moving toward the top of the pack at the second. Yeah, he is. He's slipping. He's slipping toward the middle of the pack. I think that's a fair take. Given what he's done the past couple of years, he's regressed down toward the middle of the pack. He's gone from guy who was fringe top five to guy who is between 10 and 15, in my opinion, right now. He's in the, he has the power to turn it around. I'm a big Dak Prescott fan, but we've got to be realistic of where he fits in relation to others. And it may not be that he's gotten worse. It's just others have gotten better. That's what happened to Russell Wilson. Yeah. He didn't get worse in his tail end of his time in Seattle. Others got better. So let's say there are a bunch of guys out there who are really good now. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Guys have gotten better. Dak has stayed the same. Relative to the best, he's slipping. Michael Parsons is rising at the second most position, most important, excuse me, position in football. So I, you know, the calculus for me is, I can't find another Michael Parsons anytime soon. That's generational. I can find another quarterback that can maybe be as good relative to the rest of the pack. I can at least try. And if my choice is I have a guy that's a little bit less or maybe a lot less than Dak, but I'm paying him a hell of a lot less. You know, it's the argument that people in Washington were making the second time they tagged Kirk Cousins, and he was making $24 million at the time, which was a hell of a lot of money just six or seven years ago, and Colt McCoy was making three. There were people in the front office who were arguing, there's no way in hell Kirk Cousins is eight times better than Colt McCoy. Let's just keep Colt McCoy at three and let Cousins go. So that's, that's this whole analytics thing. That's why the running backs aren't getting paid. Everybody's putting numbers on the value of the player and what it takes to replace him. What's the replacement value? So... Yeah. My point is this, unless Dak Prescott is Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, top five, why are you giving him $55 million a year? And the answer is, he's got us by the ears. We got no way out of this. He's dragging us around. We've got no power because of the contract we gave him when he was one of the best five relative to the rest of the quarterbacks. That's the mess they're in. Plain and simple. He's in a position to, to, to tell them, this is what you're going to pay me. You want to get out of this cap hell and have enough money to pay Micah Parsons? There's one way out of it. There's one way out of it. One way to create the cap space to pay Micah Parsons. And that's to take my $59 million, reduce it to twenty, and along the way, my average value is going to be $55 million a year. They know that's coming, and they need to have an or else to it. Firmly believe that. Now, I don't know that it's going to work for them, but I think that's why they did this with Trey Lance. Well, yes, and what I think I think what you're saying makes sense, right? I mean, the, but these are like kind of two different questions, right? The, the would you rather pay Micah Parsons or Dak Prescott versus, you know, what do you need to do to prepare yourself to make sure that you have an option at quarterback? And and again, 
if that is the case, then Trey Lance to me is not really all that great of an option, at least based on what we know from what he was doing with San Francisco so far in his career. Again, we don't know how things can turn out, how he might, you know, develop in that building over the course of the year, how whatever he could do on the scout team where he's mimicking and emulating other quarterbacks may or may not help him. You know, how just getting a different set of voices in his ear may or may not help him. But to think that, you know, you could go with a Trey Lance and that he's going to be at some level, you know, uh, one tier, maybe two tiers below Dak Prescott, who has been a consistent, I mean, I, I would say, starting quarterback for a number of years. Like that just, I don't, I don't know that that's a choice that I would really want to make. Well, and it's a choice the Cowboys don't want to have to make. They'd prefer to keep both. But the problem is if Dak's approach is going to be, and this all goes back to the Cowboys blowing their opportunity to sign Dak to a reasonable deal after three years, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. They squatted on the low-cost fourth year, and then they tagged him for one year. And it was as they recognized, if we tag him the second time, we start down the Kirk Cousins path, and this guy's gone. Because if we tag right. him a third time, it's a 44% raise over what the second tag was. We just can't do that. And then he leverages that into a long-term deal. We just have to cry uncle. They kept waiting, and they kept waiting, and they kept waiting. And that's one of the reasons why we always say, if you have a guy you want to keep, don't wait. It's never yeah. going to get cheaper if you wait. Bengals. So the Cowboys Bengals. waited. The TikTok, Cowboys baby. waited. Exactly. The, the Cowboys waited. And they allowed themselves to get into a position where Prescott could state his terms. Four years, not five, not six, not 12 like Pat Mahomes. Four years. And then I'm going to be right back at it. And this thing's going to be structured in a way that there's, there's landmines planted in this contract where it doesn't matter if I'm not a top five guy anymore. If you want to keep me, you got to give me another contract where I tell you what it's going to be. It is so unlike the Cowboys to be in a position where they got somebody else telling them this is how it's going to be. And Trey Lance is their red button to stop the ride. You know how on all those rides where you got a kid, the kid's screaming or throwing up or whatever, they hit the red button and it stops the ride. Trey Lance is their red button to stop the ride if this Dak Prescott thing turns Jerry Jones green and he's about ready to throw up on the tilt-a-whirl. Is that a thing? Tilt a whirl? Sounds like yeah, a thing. I think so. I'm not. I'm not right. an amusement park guy, but yeah, I, I was not expecting you to stop there and just hand it to me with that. Like, oh my gosh, what an image! Jerry Jones turning green on the tilt a whirl. Oh my God. Well, that's where I think this is, and they're yeah. not going to admit it because if they admit it, once you start down that path, okay, if you say. It crossed my mind. You're beginning to entertain the reality that you got screwed at the bargaining table, that you did this to yourself by waiting too long to engage, waiting too long to sign, and agreeing to a deal that has a fuse that is getting closer and closer to the bomb. And that bomb could keep you from 
securing Micah Parsons long-term? Because I guarantee you, as soon as this regular season ends, Micah Parsons is going to be knocking on Jerry Jones' door saying, I want my money, I want my money, I want my money. As he should be. As he should be, yeah. But that's what they're dealing with. That's what they're dealing with. So that's why I think they got Trey Lance. Um, Let's hear from Dak. Here's Dak on the addition of Trey Lance to the team and whether or not he was given a heads up that the Cowboys were bringing in another backup quarterback. I mean, obviously, I understand it's a business. Uh, that's a first-round talent, um, and uh, you're always trying to make your team better. Um, but that's, that's, that was the front office, so we're going to welcome him as we do any teammate. Um, and uh, hopefully just he makes us better, and then we're going to continue to get back at it and know we've got one goal as a team. I can't say that I necessarily expected it, no. Um, I understand that that's business. I understand that they're probably on a timeline. They need to get something done. And as I said, he felt like that strengthened this team. And, um, yeah, as I said, we're ready to welcome him. And, um, yeah, I mean, what is this? we knowing the strength of the quarterback room that we have. Uh, honestly, right now, I mean, my, my heart and my mind is with Will. Um, and so it's, uh, it's a tough situation, honestly. Um, love that guy to death over there. Plays his, plays his ass off, comes in, prepares the right way each and every day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as I said, we're going we're gonna to welcome Trent, uh, Trey, and that's, 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 that's what you do for a teammate. I mean, we're excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm always there to help somebody, help a teammate. Uh, very selfless person, so that, that's not going to change by any means. But my heart's with that guy over there right now. Look, I don't know how they do it on other teams. I can't imagine. If there was a backup quarterback on the Chiefs roster that Patrick Mahomes had a strong affinity for, Love that guy to death, as Dak said. If there was a guy like that, if the Chiefs were going to make a move like this, I think Andy Reid's going to give Patrick Mahomes a heads up. You know, Probably. this gets back to something I say time and again. You want your starting quarterback to be kind of like the supervisor on the shop room floor. He's got one leg in both camps. He's management and he's hourly, right? But then when it's time for the manager's meeting, you close the door in his face and you don't yes. tell him what's going on. And he just finds out when the rest of the guys who punch a clock find out. You can't do that. You either treat that guy like a member of management or you treat him like just one of the guys. It's the Aaron Rodgers complaint in Green Bay. Their Mm -hmm. attitude was you just work here. This is a you just work here moment for Dak Prescott. You got a guy you like, got a guy you really like. Hey, hey, and and the message is, well, Dak, that's what you get for not redoing your deal if you would have redone your deal. Not they're going to say that to him, but that's the implicit message. Will Greer's gone because you were too stubborn in the offseason to work out a new contract that would have reduced that cap number next year so we can sign Michael Parsons, so this is what we had to do. See, it's all on you. Again, they're not going to say it out loud, but once you start scratching the surface, that's the message. We're doing this because we don't have certainty with your contract, so we needed somebody else that we could maybe turn to in the event this relationship goes off the rails. Yes, and I think, again, what you're saying makes sense. It's just to me, like, man, like, that's the guy, you know? Like, it reminds me of what Brady said about somebody. Like, you're going to turn to that guy? (laughs) You didn't say guy? I mean, like, that, but, like, that's really, like, if that's – because if that's the case, that's my reaction if I'm Dak Prescott. Like, what has this guy done? I mean, really? That's your argument? Okay, that's fine. Let me go out and let me do what I do, and then you're going to have to pay me because you're going to see – that I'm the guy that you need here in this situation. So that sounds like the attitude that he's going to have, right? You know, we're embracing Trey, but, you know, he says really nice, good things to say about Will Greer as a teammate. That's also well and good. But I think that Dak Prescott knows how critical a season this is for him for setting up his future, financial and otherwise. It just, that's the way I see it, at least. Well, and before we take a break, remember this. 
Oh and and, I, and I'll say that I don't know who made the decision within the Dallas Cowboys organization to give up a fourth-round pick and to take on the full Trey Lance salary for the next two years. But Jerry Jones is the guy who wanted to take Johnny Manziel in 2014 and two years later was trying desperately and furiously to trade up so he could take Paxton Lynch the year that Dak Prescott fell into their laps. So this has not been a team that has shown high-level ability to spot great quarterbacks. Prescott fell into their laps. Lynch ended up being a disaster. Manziel, we don't even need to explain what happened with him. Tony Romo is the only great quarterback they've had post-Troy Aikman, and that was a Bill Parcells thing. That was Parcells and Peyton found this guy when Sean Peyton was there as an assistant. And when Peyton became the head coach of the Saints, first thing he tried to do was pry Romo away from the Cowboys. Romo hadn't even started yet, and the Cowboys were like, no. And I remember hearing 20 years ago, 2003, 2004, hey, they got this guy Romo they really like. And I'm like, who the hell is Romo? And it was undrafted, and they developed him, and it was a Parcells thing, but it wasn't Jerry. 20 years later, they're still trying to find a guy that Jerry deliberately targeted. Prescott's a guy that was just like, oh, he's there in the, in the fourth round and we need a quarterback. We better go ahead and take him. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. But I think it, it adds a little spice to the Cowboys' season and uh, a little drama, a little intrigue for America's team. When we return, the Oakland Raiders closing the books on some off-season, preseason drama. The Las Vegas Raiders. I'm thinking old school great teams of the past. I think Oakland Raiders. Sue me, okay? Al Davis would appreciate that. The Oakland Raiders took care of business. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.